Greetings. You're listening to the Belmont Story Project. I'm your host on this edition. My name is Jeff Hansel, the Executive Director at the Belmont Media Center. We're coming to you from the Waverly Square podcast studio here at the Belmont Media Center. So you're likely going to hear the sounds of Waverly Square in the background. Uh, we're right here on, the, on Lexington Street. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Today we have a guest. Uh, she is a local writer here in Belmont and a filmmaker. Uh, her name is Sharice Zarunian, and uh, her family is from Belmont. Sharice, welcome to the Belmont Story Project. And thank you for having me again, Jeff. Great. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about your career as a writer mm-hmm. um, today, yeah. and you're going to read a couple of excerpts. Um, first, uh Maybe just spend a little bit of time. Your family is from Belmont, and well, or you came to Belmont. Tell us your connection. Right. Well, originally my family is. Um, they're they're at, my parents are not from the U.S. They're they're Armenian, but they were they were born and raised in Iran. There's a lot of Armenians there. Kind of, you know, there's kind of a diaspora that kind of scattered all over the Middle East and parts of Europe, and they came to America in the 70s. Yeah, I think both of them came in the 70s, but they, they settled in Cambridge yeah, sometime in the 80s. And then they had me about 10 years later. And then when I, I lived in Cambridge for the first like three years of my life, and then I moved to Belmont. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've been, I never left. <laughs> did you go to school here then? Yeah, I did. I went to, um, well, I had started. I, I I had started. I went for preschool in um, Saint mm-hmm. Stephen's, which is an all Armenian school in okay. Watertown. And then I went to I went to um, from kindergarten through ninth grade. I went to Belmont Public Schools, and I went to a different school in Waltham from okay. for tenth through twelfth grade. Okay. Yeah. Which uh, school did you go to here? The uh, which elementary school? I went to Burbank. Burbank. Yeah. And then Chenery, or was was it called Chenery then? Yeah, it was called okay. Chenery right. then. Okay. Burbank, Chenery, and then a little bit of Belmont High. Okay, so, great. Yeah. And how did you get into writing? Um. Oh wow. I mean, I feel like my whole life I've been into creating stories, telling stories, and um, I, I don't remember if I said this on the other episode when I was on before talking about my films, but I had had, um, I, I think when I first learned that I could, I like, oh, wow, I could maybe do this, like I may make a career out of this, was when my teacher, yeah, I had told this little anecdote, my teacher in first grade had, um, we had to write about how we spent Thanksgiving, and I wrote about how I had made stuffing of my dad, and then I wrote about how though that year it was um, Thanksgiving 2002. I don't know if you remember. There's a huge blizzard. We got like I don't know, like three feet mm-hmm. of snow, and then so I had gone sledding with my neighbors, and I had written all about that. And then, then my teacher called me over, and like she's like, "Come over here," and I was I was freaked out because I thought I was in trouble because right. I was pretty much always in trouble. And then <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, is this about what happened the other day in the cafeteria or whatever? And she's like, you're not in trouble. Like, I just want to, I just read what you wrote. She held it in her hand. She's like, I read what you wrote and we're going to go to the office. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I must really be in for it. And then she was like, no, no, no. We're going to go to the office because I want you to call your mother and read it to her because I think this is so good that I think she should hear it. And I was kind of surprised. I was That's like, great. I was like, oh. Like, so again, how old were you at that time? Seven. Wow. Yeah. And I okay. was like, oh, okay. Like, this is... 
I, I wasn't terribly impressed with it. I thought, oh, I was just writing about what I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't yeah. trying to make it great or anything. I'm like, okay, if, if she thinks it's good, I guess mm-hmm. it must be good. And hmm. apparently, I don't know if I would said, oh, I didn't say this part before, but my mom had said that same teacher had told her that, like, when Sharice writes her first book, like, send me a copy or something. I was like, oh, uh, wow, yeah. So, so as a seven-year-old, yeah. you know, we don't have all of our awareness, but... Do you remember what you felt like after you found out that your teacher really liked it and, you know, the, uh-huh. the positive uh, feedback you got on it? I felt, like I said, it was surprised more than anything. I was okay. like, okay, I don't think this is particularly great. Okay. But All if right. she thinks it's great, that's great. I'm happy that she okay. thinks so. But I, I think that, um, I, I don't know if that, I mean, that definitely helped, like, encourage mm-hmm. me. And I've had a lot of other teachers encourage me, too, which is great. But um, I, I, I don't know if that's – that's not the reason why I started. I mean, mm-hmm. before I was always into – like, I used to make um, – I think before I could write, I used to, like, make up little stories in my head when I was okay. bored yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. Ah. Did you uh, spend any time, you know, when you were young, maybe as a babysitter and reading stories to children or telling stories? Is that – Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was always like I was always really good at read anything literary was like my forte. Even when I when I was in like, I think as early as preschool, I used to read to the kids in my class. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be sitting reading like none of them could read what I could read. So they would sit around and listen to me read. That's great. And I um yeah. And I was reading pretty. I remember in um I think in like kindergarten, I was like checking out the chapter book section and stuff. Okay. So that was. Yeah, so that's um, definitely was a sign that I I, did, I was attracted to anything that was verbal, mm-hmm. um, and I used to. It was funny. I was looking in my basement where, um, and my parents have a big box of like all the arts and crafts and like writing and stuff that I did, and it's all there. And I was just looking, and I saw like all the stuff that I had done in like kindergarten. Right. That's um, it, it, and it's just like. You know, we had a thing called Writer's Workshop where you would, like, pick a simple, I guess, event from your life and write about it. It was to tell kids, like, how to tell a story mm-hmm. with the beginning, the middle, the end. And it's funny. I was, like, holding it in my hand. It would say, like, my new sandals, like, by Charisse, like, 2002. And then it would say, like, my new sandals. They, My old ones did not fit. We went to the mall. We got new ones. And it's just so funny because, mm-hmm. like, it's like, wow. Like, I, I should probably <laughs> bring it in. I actually work um, right down the street at Butler right. at the after school program. And I we do do, like, writing-related activities, too. So, like, maybe I should show them. But, yeah, it's – um. That's, I guess, from an early age, I always enjoyed. I I loved being read to, mm-hmm. and I like reading aloud to kids. It's like you one, like the performance aspect of that. The, oh, both the, oh, the reading or theatrical. Way oh, of yeah, it, I yeah. love to when I read to kids. Like I do the voices okay. and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. and they, they now when I get one kid, then like two or three or four mm-hmm. like come over, and it's like it's great. I've got an audience now. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I when my kids were young. I used to make up stories every night. Yeah. So I would oh, just wow. make up stories and to help them go to sleep. And, you know, I don't yeah. know how long I did that. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if they remember any of them. But uh, but it was fun doing that. So it's – and kids get – you're, you're right. Kids get a big kick out of yeah. that. And so that sort of – that must have fueled your imagination then for later. When did you – when would you say – so you're seven years old. You wrote You write a story. But – when did you start writing them down or do you ha- or is that just continue on from mm-hmm. 7 years old 
I mean, we did it in school, right. and of course, it wasn't a choice. Right. So, and I and I was totally fine with that because it was great. It was like my favorite thing. But I sometimes, yeah. And then even from then on, like we get journals, like composition mm-hmm. books, and I like, write in those when I get bored. I did. I did used to write some like poems when I was younger, and it's funny because I don't consider it my strong suit now, so I don't do a lot of it now. But I and I find it much more difficult for some reason. Mm-hmm. I feel like making things concise yeah. is not a strong suit. And even my short stories are like long short stories. Okay. Like I've had magazines be like, "We love this, but like we cannot really have the budget for like a ten page story. Can you make uh. it like a five page?" I'm like, "Ah!" So then I, I yeah. have to do it. But um, yeah, no, I just used to make up little I used to write down little things mm-hmm. and when I used to sit in um every Saturday I used to go to Armenian school I'd be so bored I used to like write poems and stories myself because I just didn't feel like mm-hmm. listening sure. <laughs> and th- sure. things like that but I um um yeah and I would sometimes I think we had a school I we had like a school newspaper or something in third grade and mm-hmm. I I think I submitted some story about like my stuffed animal like going on a trip to San Francisco I had gone to San Francisco yeah. that previous summer it was just like literally anything and I enjoyed it so much it was like my favorite part And so let's let's skip ahead and you start thinking about writing as a serious hobby you're you're not you're doing it not because it's homework but you're doing it because you want to do it mm-hmm. I'm assuming and yeah. uh um, what's the first story that you wrote that you still have or outside of schoolwork? Uh, I don't... Maybe I, just some random writing, that sort of thing? It would probably... I can't even remember. Like, there's okay. been so many... I probably okay. have to, like, go my like the abyss of my basement and dig oh, okay. up something I from, see. like, right. 15 years ago. But, um, I mean, the first one I got published though i'm trying to th- the first one i got published funny it was um mouse in the bread used to be a short story it was a short story okay and it had gotten published i had written it for a creative writing class uh-huh. and okay. um well the thing is the problem is you can no longer find it because the magazine it was called first it was called e-fiction and then it was called storyteller magazine and they had to go off the market because mm-hmm. i guess they had some publishing agreement with amazon mm-hmm. that they could no longer keep up with so okay. it's gone it's scrubbed from the internet now i guess i have an original copy for any, any so you privileged could few have who it republished probably I could, to, yeah. yeah. I never thought of that. I don't know if yeah. I'm allowed to necessarily do that, but I'd try. That's your work. And yeah. I don't know if I would because I feel like what I wrote then is, like, so bad compared to what it is now. I oh, mean, maybe I, I still will. I could, yeah. like, edit right, it okay. again. Who knows? Um, so you brought a couple of pieces of uh, short, mm-hmm. uh, short stories with you. Do you want to tell us about the first one, uh, yes. what it's about? And then, we, then you can read it. But um, mm-hmm. let's start with... Uh, what it's called. So what the this, title is. yes. So this first one, I'm looking at it right now. It's a, um, it's a short story that I, it's my most recent one mm-hmm. that I got published, and it is called "The Rock of Gibraltar." It's not about the actual rock mm-hmm. in Spain. It has to do with the saying, you know, to say to someone, "You're the oh, rock yeah. of Gibraltar," right. okay. which can, if you don't, if anyone's listening and they've never heard that, it means that it, it has two meanings. It could either mean that you're a really strong person and people depend on you, or it can mean you're a stubborn pain in the booty. And yeah. <laughs> so right. that's what the story has to do with, and um, it's about. This little girl, well, I guess the the protagonist now is a woman who's now, like, looking back on when mm-hmm. she was a little girl. Um, She's an orphan. She was raised by her aunt. And it's, it's really just about the relationship she has with her aunt, which is a bit difficult. And it's about how she doesn't really 
the, the girl doesn't really know herself mm-hmm. and the kind of person she is because of the things she's being told by her aunt about her personality and her behavior. And also the aunt doesn't really know who she is because um, she's also struggling with okay. self-definition because, yes, this um, – the protagonist, her parents died when she was like a toddler, so the the aunt has raised her ever since. So it's a weird role. Is she she thinking like, am I her mother or am mm-hmm. I just her aunt? Because and so it's just weird for her to fill that role, and she's not entirely she's like she obviously loves her niece, but she's still okay. kind of not completely fit into that role. Okay. And so I'd like to read a well, little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, bit. have you read an excerpt from uh, the Rock of the Gibraltar? Rock of Gibraltar. Sure. The Rock of Gibraltar. There's a long list of things that are more pleasant than being on I-95 in Massachusetts during rush hour. None of them are appropriate to say out loud, but I'm sure my Aunt Louise was thinking of a few of them one Friday afternoon during my early childhood, as we moved at two miles an hour down the clogged, concrete artery of the state we called home. Look at this mess, she huffed, gesturing towards the windshield. Maybe they're all going to look at the leaves. I was six, and to me, that was the most logical explanation for all the congestion. It was late October, and almost all the trees had finished throwing Molotov cocktails into the skyline. Sometimes, my aunt and I would drive to the more rural parts of Massachusetts, or even as far as New Hampshire or Connecticut, to go leaf peeping. Depending on where we were, there would also be farm stands that sold cider donuts or caramel apples, which we'd eat under the orange glow of the foliage. Days like that didn't come often, though, as they required my aunt to both be off of work and me to have been good, whatever that meant. This is going to take another hour easy, my aunt sighed. At least the brothers don't care how late we get in. The Rumford brothers, or the brothers as we called them, all lived together in the same small town that my father and aunt had grown up in. Ben, the oldest brother, had been friends with my father in high school, and his younger twin brothers, Richie and Marcus, had been classmates of my aunt's. Even after my father and aunt had graduated and began their separate adult lives, they stayed in touch with the Rumford family. And when my mother and father had both been snuffed out by a drunk driver while on their way to pick a then two-year-old me up from Aunt Louise's house, the brothers showed more support than some of our own blood relatives did. One One of the ways they did this was to open their house to my aunt, who worked as a home health aide, and I to stay the night in whenever she was assigned to care for a patient who lived in their neck of the woods, as she had been during this particular weekend. There's a hole in my jeans, I whined, as I ran my pointer finger up and down my thigh. That's in style these days, my aunt answered, eyes focused on the road. That was technically true, as the 90s were on their way out, but I wasn't following a trend. I want new jeans. I'll sew the hole up later. You think I'm made of money? She answered, slightly pained. Much of my clothing, including those jeans, were hand-me-downs from the other kids who lived in our apartment building, and most of my toys and jewelry had once belonged to my parents, like my father's old stuffed panda and my mother's silver charm bracelet that I was wearing on my left wrist that day. I loved wearing my mother's jewelry and playing with my father's toys. Doing so made me feel connected to them. But my aunt wanted better for herself, and especially for me, and the fact that better always seemed to be out of her reach stung her like a red-hot welt. No, I answered, puzzled at the question. Aunt Louise certainly was not made of money. There was not a single dollar bill or coin on her body. You're made of meat and bones. Meat and bones, huh? She chuckled. "Uh Uh-huh, I nodded. And water. Lots of water. My silly girl. 
Aunt Louise said affectionately. I scowled. She may have found what I said amusing, but there's no better way to get under a child's skin than to treat their serious thoughts like a set at a comedy club. I am not silly, I crowed. My aunt whipped around with a face made of stone. Watch yourself, Juliana, she said through clenched teeth. Then she turned back around and smirked. Incredible. You're incredible. I looked out the window, consciously trying to avoid meeting her eyes. I was incredible when I folded my clothes all by myself or showed her that I could count to 20, but I was also incredible when I mouthed off or made a fuss. She threw that word around often when I was little, without explaining the many shades of its meaning. I didn't feel like talking to her, so for the remainder of the tense drive, I repeated it to myself under my breath, this nebulous, colorless word that wandered without direction like a confused tourist in a new city, until I grew tired. And that's one excerpt. Wow, that's great. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's, I, I, yeah, now I, of course, want to hear the whole story. <laughs> okay. I, have you considered uh, um, doing it as an audio audiobook or? Um, <clears throat> that would be cool. I mean, I wonder, it's funny because I, it's funny because I love to read aloud, but you see how fast I'm talking right now. So I'm I trying to find like, it fast. Oh, really? No, no, I mean, right now no. when I'm naturally talking. So yeah. actually taking the time to actively slow it up my mouth mm-hmm. makes me feel like I'm like taffy in my mouth like uh, no, I, so I thought it was I'd well, see if well I, read yeah well know. thanks so I, I so doing it as an audiobook I mean I I guess I could I'd probably yeah. take like lots and lots of breaks but um yeah I don't I don't know how I would do that I mean I I think I'm thinking of one day like taking everything I've write that's been published on mm-hmm. other platforms like this one has and putting yeah. them into a book yeah so yeah, maybe sure. I could do that yeah you know um I don't know what I, I'd like to now read the whole story. I mean, I like I like to read fiction, yes. short stories and things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to picture who, what it reminds me of, but um, uh, what authors I've read. Uh-huh. The only one that I've really I'm just going to say this because I re- have read a lot of his stories is um, Richard Russo, I guess, and another Richard up in upstate New York, and I can't remember his name oh, now. Oh, I've never heard. But. Um, uh, so it reminds me of yeah a couple of authors um, yeah. that going back into time and yeah. with your adult sensibility, but mm-hmm. then also from the childhood. So you have a great imagination because there's a lot going on in that story. I yeah. mean, you can see the threads of the whole story. Of out course. There. Yeah, and there's a lot. It's funny when you said authors, what authors it reminds you of. I was thinking of a, a book that it I subconsciously I didn't realize until I had written the story that um, it's almost, I was talking to my friend about it, it almost kind of, there's a lot of parallels between this and Jane Eyre a little bit, because if you've oh. read it, you know, she's an orphan, she's raised by okay. her aunt, and of course that aunt is abusive, this mm-hmm. aunt isn't, but I feel like an, one important part of Jane Eyre, one of the most important themes, at least the way from my interpreted, is our identities, and mm-hmm. wh- how we get the idea of who we are, because for example, there's a scene um, in the book where the guy from the boarding school that she gets sent to comes to her house and says, are you a good child or a bad child? Hmm. And Jane doesn't know how to answer. And uh, like, for, for okay. example, things like that. So yeah. I, I was like, oh my goodness, there's so many parallels. I never noticed it, but maybe it, somebody could interpret it that well, way. Well, just that know. whole bit about what does incredible mean? And, yeah. and it's not a line that, it's not a word that when you're a child, yeah, do you know what that means? No, not really. Yeah. Even as an adult, maybe it's, you know, it's a yeah. superlative, you know, but mm-hmm. but that's a that's a great description. And yeah, as I say, I'm now I want to read the whole story and there might be a whole book there, right, about what happens to this. Oh, sure. There's all this going on from the, yeah. you're talking about what happens before her life, before that scene begins and then mm-hmm. what could be happening afterwards. And yeah. So um, I what, wish I could have made it longer, but 
I mean, that's the thing with so many of these magazines. They're like, we have a limit of how much you can promote. So it's. Well, yeah. I mean, as a, as a, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is that as a short story, yeah. you, you feel like you've dropped in on something, mm-hmm. which in a good short story, in my view, that's sort of what, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's a beginning and maybe there's an end, but you feel like you've, you've, you've taken a snapshot of this and it's a whole three dimension. You know, it's a whole person, mm-hmm. a whole you know, uh, world, as it were. So um, how long ago did you write that story? Um, I finished it. It just got published last month, and it oh. took me – I. it's funny. It, a lot of my – the short stories, the final products, they begin as, like, something else first. And then I go, no, I don't like this. I don't like this. I change it yeah. around, change it around. It just goes through, like, almost like a metamorphosis of mm-hmm. so many things. And this one, I had kind of had the idea for it like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because other things happened, TV pilot I was filming, mm-hmm. which I think I talked about in the other uh, episode yeah. of uh, the, the, the TV version of this show, The Belmont Story mm-hmm. Project. And um, I kind of came back to it, and I want to say I really started getting back into the swing of writing this one in, like, August. Okay. So, okay. yeah, it's fairly, fairly recent. Oh, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, where did you say it got published, this story? Oh, yes. So it's um, you can read it on Angie's Diary, which is it's a literary magazine based out of the Netherlands. Okay. And they have a website, www.angiesdiary.com. Okay. And it's... Um, so yeah. we'll tell people to look for the Rock of Gibraltar okay. on angiesdiary.com. Yeah, okay, by, by Sharice Zerunian. By Sharice Zerunian. Yep. Okay. Um, and you have another story you're also going to tell. You're yes, read I a do. a little bit of that as well. I'm not sure how much time do we have. You have a, you, you've got a few minutes yet. You can, a few can minutes. fit that in. Yeah. Okay, sure. So let me, hang on, let me find it. So this one that I just, um, the reason why I had pulled this one up is because, it's not because I'm necessarily the most proud of it, this mm-hmm. next one is published in the Armenian Weekly, which oh, is right. um, okay. I'm sure a lot of people in Belmont know what that is. Yep. It's <laughs> it's a yep. um, it's a magazine and it's um, they have a fiction section. It's you know it's a magazine about Armenian affairs. And they publish Armenian authors, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to at least for the fiction. Um, if you're out there and you're thinking about submitting to it, um, it the story doesn't necessarily have to be an Armenian story. Mm-hmm. Um, as I guess you so long as it's by an Armenian author, I'm not even sure what the rules regarding that are. Okay, but um, and this one I had pulled up specifically because I want to talk about some of the things that inspire me to write. And um, yeah, I I do read. What's the name of this story? This story is called Drowsy. Drowsy. Okay. So, so given the time, why don't you, unless you want to give us a little bit of intro to it. Go ahead and, and start reading it. I mean, you have a great voice. and Okay, so. sure. So um, I'm going to, this is from like the middle of the story. Okay. I think it's, so I'm just going to give a little background. So Drowsy is about a family who is, um, they're taking their last vacation as a family mm-hmm. before the parents divorce. And the reason why they're getting divorced is because the mother's obsessive compulsive disorder is really taking its toll on the family. And it's told from the perspective, it's again, somebody looking back on their childhood, is told from the perspective of Lenny, that's the character's, that's mm-hmm. the character's name, and she's a girl. And okay. Lenny is short for um, the name Yelena, which is Armenian. It's like Helen. Okay. So, um, and anyway, this the part that I'm going to read is from when they're on the Cape. Okay. I wrote about that. It's a very special place to me. I go to the Cape like every year. And I, um, so this is a, 
a, an excerpt from a scene where they're going out to dinner in P-Town, and you kind of get to see how the family dynamic is kind of messed up a little okay. bit. And for those people not familiar, P-Town... It's Provincetown. Provincetown. Whoopsie, sorry. That's Sometimes okay. I forget. You yeah. never know who's listening. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, okay. After we had finished swimming and Mommy had washed the sea salt out of our skin and hair, she rounded us up to go out to dinner in Provincetown. At least, she tried to. I'm not going to say it again, you two. Let's go. Mommy tried to separate my brothers, who were grabbing and pushing each other. Armand spit on me. You spit on me, stupid. We don't spit on each other in this house, Daddy raised his voice. Eric, smartass-in-chief, smirked at Daddy. We're not at our house. Daddy fixed Eric with a look made of ice. Eric gulped. Daddy's eyes were crystal balls, in which my brother saw himself being put over a big, hairy knee if he didn't shut up. Boys. My mother looked at me and smiled her warm, sweet smile that made me understand why my dad had stayed with her for 15 years. She winked at me with her right eye, and then again with her left. She stared at the TV screen where Vanna White was turning letters on a board with her hands. The puzzle was half done, with O's and S's filling up the grid. Dark side of the moon! My mother would always solve the puzzle faster than the contestants did, and usually yelled out the answer excitedly, but this particular one made her voice go quiet. Mommy looked out the window. She wasn't with me. She was in college again, sitting on a blanket with my father, next to his record player, as David Gilmore told them to breathe. My father looked at the floor. My mother turned her attention back to Wheel of Fortune. John, a contestant, was squinting. He looked nervous, searching in his head for the right letter. E! E! Christ! Mommy wouldn't curse when us kids were within earshot. Come on! John yelled, P! The buzzer grunted. The next contestant spun the wheel. My mother threw her hands down in frustration and turned the television off. She was tired of screaming at this man behind the glass screen. Now she knew how we felt. Whenever my friends from down south and everywhere ask me where Provincetown is, I immediately think of a place map that I had when I was a kid. It had a map of the United States on it, and my father had taught me to identify Massachusetts by pointing out that it was shaped like an elephant's head, that Boston and western Massachusetts made up the face, the north shore was the ear, and the cape was the trunk. This is Provincetown, Lenny. Daddy would always point to the very tip of the cape, where my home state curls in on itself, the nostrils. It made sense, because life flows in and out of the elephant's nostrils 24 hours a day. Even after its surrounding towns close their shops and turn in for the night, Provincetown stays awake. Lights are left on, streets are crammed with couples covered in piercings and ink, shrieking children chase each other around McMillan Pier. The place is vibrant, constantly breathing, a maelstrom of chatter and color. We walked up and down Commercial Street, looking for a restaurant that wasn't packed. An old woman, wearing at least ten bracelets on each wrist and a balloon hat on her head, sat in front of the town hall playing keyboard. Next to her, a man was tapping his high-heeled foot to her music. His lip gloss was smeared, and he smelled like he had dived into a pool of Chanel. There are two things in this town that are hard to come by, the first one being parking spaces, and the second being judgment. In this tiny part of Massachusetts, the words, I'm sorry, are considered more revolting than the words, I love guns. You don't apologize because no one looks at you funny, whether you're a man whose eyelids and lips shimmer like tinsel, or a mother of three who needs to touch every doorknob five times before walking or leaving into a room. Mommy! Daddy! Eric ran, told, ran towards an adult toy store, pointing at this display case. Giant crayons! Why are they buzzing? I asked. My parents took our hands and started walking faster. We finally found a place to eat. 
After we were seated, our waiter poured each one of us a glass of water. My mom winced when she noticed a small fingerprint on the mouth of her glass. She handed it back to the waiter. Could I have another one, please? My father covered his face with his palm. The waiter rolled his eyes and took the glass from Mommy. I'm sorry. She looked down at her lap. I didn't know who she was apologizing to. Wow. Again, that's uh, very poignant. Thank you. And you saying so much in so few words. It's uh, yeah. You should do a whole podcast just you reading your. I'd love that. Yeah, Um, you're listening to the Belmont Story Project. We're talking with Sharice Zarunian, and we'll be right back. And we're back with Sharice Zarunian. You're listening to the Belmont Story Project. That was a great uh, bit of reading you did there. I said earlier. Again, uh, how, now how long is that short story, The uh, Rock of Gibraltar? No, it's not The Rock of Gibraltar. Drowsy? Drowsy. It's about seven pages, but of course when you're reading it in a web format, you can't really tell. Okay. But um, it, Yeah, and I think Rock of Gibraltar is about the same, seven pages. H- how many short stories would you say you've written? Uh, well, there's there I've had three for the Armenian Weekly. I've got another one coming out, which wow. I wish I could share, but I can't because it's not out. And then I have the Rock Gibraltar, and then I have a couple stuff that was in um, a magazine from out of NYU called the Manetta Review. I do have a poem that I had read on the radio for the mm-hmm. WCAI, which is the Capes NPR. Right, right. And I, I want to say about four or five okay. short stories. I, I, so I have a bunch that I have not been published. With. So this is what you're really concentrating on now, right? Is it, Would you say? Um, or a little bit of, you're doing the filming, uh, uh, film yeah. and... Uh, I am doing okay. the TV pilot because I sometimes do get, I mean, sometimes I do make money from short stories. So that kind of, that, I'm trying to do more of that okay. so I can finance. Right. Well, let's let's remind folks they can go to... Uh, where they can find your writing, it's the angiesdiary.com mm-hmm. to see a co- see one of the stories to and see we, Rock of Gibraltar, yeah. and um, Armenian the Armenian Weekly, Armenian for Weekly, the other one, and hopefully we'll be able others. we'll yeah. see you uh, in the New Yorker someday. Oh my gosh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a try. Okay, yeah. no, the, the odds are like point zero 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 one. You never know. Okay. You got to try it. I okay. think I think it's wonderful writing. Oh, thank you. Um, and I'm going to read both stories now. Okay. Uh, you've been listening to the Belmont Story Project. Thank you, and see you next time.